Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. So if you haven't seen part one of this conversation, I highly suggest you hit the pause button, go back and watch part one of this series um, because it's very worthwhile to see them in order and hear from Dr. Nakagawa from UC Davis and Nechini from Verizon, where we really covered this new connected ecosystem, some of the challenges, some of the best practices, some of the work they're doing, amazing work they're doing at UC Davis. So hit the pause button, go check out part one, and we'll see you there. And now let's dive into part two of this amazing conversation. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, you, talk, you talked about, okay, you've got more and more devices, weight scales, you know, pulse ox, the, the usual blood pressure cuffs. But then we've also got sensors and cameras and more and more devices within the home and in the four walls of a hospital. To your point, Ned, how do you balance that, you know, privacy of the patient and security? You know, is that, I'd love your thoughts on that, Kay. Yeah, well, first, you know, I, I, I love what you said net around interoperability because first the the systems need to be able to talk talk with each other um and then you know to your point robin now we're seeing so much more volume of data and ultimately it's not the volume of data it's more about the insights from that data that we need to focus on and so i i think the next kind of um step from data interoperability is data cooperability right is that there's, in addition to the systems being able to sh share data more seamlessly, right? We need to be able to have the data work together to provide those more holistic insights, you know, that lead to actionable insights for patient care. Um, and, and, and I do think that patient privacy and security are very important to that. Um, you know, you, you kind of ask the question of like, how do we balance you know, privacy and security, you know, with potentially, you know, technology and innovation, I, I don't really think it's a balance. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's about not focusing on the innovation or the technology and keeping the focus on the patient, you know, keeping the focus on how do we double down on digital trust, right? And how do we actually optimize on making sure that the patient feels really safe with the data, they feel in control of their data. Um, and, and I think that is going to open up so many opportunities because, you know, when you talk with patients, like they actually want their data to, they want to pay it forward with their data, many patients. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I think that they, they really do want their, um, their genome, their proteome, their labs, their data in the, in, if they had, if they felt safe, that they would be open to having that data advance, uh, you know, our human discovery of, you know, new conditions and new treatments, right? Um, so it's, it's really, I think naturally, the data will become more open if we really focus on ensuring that patients feel that they can trust 
the 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 systems and that hold the data um, and and also that uh, there's a, a very clear architecture for digital trust. Um, and I don't think we have dived deep enough into what that means. Um, I think a lot of people have less trust when they're on a digital platform, right? Um, even outside of healthcare, just in general, social media, there's a lot more misinformation, disinformation, and distrust when you go onto a more um, digital medium. And I think if, if we all work together to say, what are the technologies that can truly support digital trust, then uh, I think there's going to be a lot more innovation that can then come out of that. Great. Ned, anything? Anything to add? No, I mean, um, uh, trust is a big uh, element uh, and uh, involving patients in the decision-making process and obtaining uh, their informed consent can help uh, maintain the transparency and trust and uh, uh, providers um, are uh, working and uh, implementing programs to educate patients about benefits and risks of new technologies as part of their uh, care plan. And um, uh, certainly uh, uh, working with the, the IT side of the organizations at healthcare providers in terms of making sure that environments are safe and secure and uh, healthcare systems are target of a lot of cyber attacks. And how do we yeah. ensure that uh, they are, we, they conduct uh, the uh, security uh, address the security breaches and be able to create a, a secure environment end to end in terms of uh, providing that healthcare uh, services that uh, they offer to their patients. Yeah, and a, lot of that, a lot of that's like also education, right, Ned? I mean, we talked about yeah. this. Um, you know, even like private five G or just five G in general. I think the way that it is um, marketed, it's about speed. Yeah, but I I think there's a lot more to 5G than speed, you know, and and so maybe when you know you're marketing it from the retail standpoint, yeah, like it's watch your YouTube, you know, get be able to play your 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 video games in the cloud at like you know faster speeds, or you don't have any latency on your YouTube videos, right? So so I think that's that's very fair, but I think when if if you were to pull a lot of people on the street and like what are you what are your thoughts about the benefits of 5G? You know, I think a lot of the marketing has been centered around uh, speed, right? I think in healthcare, there's, um, you know, we maybe um, we need to reframe that narrative around, you know, 5G could be actually about privacy and better security, right? It could be uh, about being able to transmit the data safely to between the people that you want seeing your data, right? Um, from the home to the hospital. Um, so I think there's just so much opportunity and in, in being able to educate people around the different technologies and how it can serve them, you know, and their experience. Um, you know, that, that's an area that I think we can do so much better. Yeah, but I think you're right. I mean, everyone, if they feel safe, they would, I think, freely provide their data to help humanity, help their fellow man, you know, especially, you know, if we did have all that data, we could make it actionable to your point, Kay, <clears throat> bring that data together with AI, pretend, you know, that's probably, a, a, that's the biggest use case, right? Mm -hmm. Use AI, glean through that data, provide insights, um, make it more actionable for the clinician to then identify, you know, rare diseases, diagnose them, you know, sooner. So there's so much of an impact that's going to, that's going to, um, 
happen with that. Um, so, Cade, can you just talk about some examples of the, of the work you're doing at UC Davis um, that's enabling this this new care delivery system? I'd love to hear some of some of your work. You know, one of the the examples that I can share is is integrated service lines. Some of the the most innovative work I think is being done by our health system leaders, our clinician leaders, who are again rethinking the approach to delivering care. Um, you know, it, it's not about what new technology to onboard. I think the most innovative aspects of our health system at UC Davis Health are, are are the people who are thinking about reimagining the complete the workflow for the patient experience. And so I think integrated service lines is, is one example. Um, there's a few efforts to integrate service lines across for cancer or cardiovascular care uh, or for neurology and neuroscience. And, and the concept of integrated service lines is that, you know, you're really putting the patient, the clinician at the center, right? And, and saying, okay, how do we align all of these related medical services, you know, and stitching them together that are currently very fragmented, right? And the patient has to kind of ping pong around to access these services. So like, you know, you take like cardiology, you know, cardiology, for example, you have your primary care physician, then you have your cardiologist, you know, you might have your cardiac surgeon, your interventional cardiologist, but you also have nurses, you know, after a procedure, you might have, you know, rehab specialists, um, you're going to be getting imaging, you're going to get be getting labs, you're going to have to get, you know, uh, t- you know, get get your prescription from the pharmacy. And like all of these things um, are, are kind of separate clinical departments or service lines, right? Yeah. And, and so, so the patient is kind of going to these places like the pharmacy service to get their drugs or, you know, the, um, you know, the interventional cardiologist to get the, the procedure. And what I'm super excited about is um, our clinician leaders have really embraced this concept of putting that patient experience at the center of um, this entire architecture and like reworking everything, you know, to say, let's take all of these services and align them to make it a seamless, fluid experience for the patient. Because once that vision is set, then we can, it's so much easier to identify the technologies that can enable that experience right? It's, 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 it's so much more innovative, right? For the technology to almost just be the support role and say, yeah. what can AI do to make it easier for that patient to go from, you know, the procedure to uh, a rehab specialist and get their prescription? You know, are there automated, you know, ways that we can um, stitch t- together that experience, right? So, I, I'm really excited about um, some of this work that that our clinical leaders are are, are spearheading, um, where our you know obviously our innovation team is playing a integral role, but I would say we're playing a lot more of the support role to that vision mm-hmm. than um, you know leading that, and, and and I think that format works so well in in the healthcare setting. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you know siloed RPM programs, right? I mean that's you're starting with the the patients. The care team around them, and then the the technology will be intersected as needed. And everyone's you know singing from the same sheet of music. They all have that three hundred and sixty view of the patient. So that that's 
Exactly. So, you know, rather than saying, how can we use SMS text? What are all the ways that we can use SMS text across, you know, the entire health system? You know, the, the clinicians are really sending that innovative vision around what is like, the next generation patient experience and clinician experience, then it's it, it, it naturally reveals itself how you should be using omnichannel, like Ned's saying, you know, where AI should be uh, plotted in and, and, and what type of training we need to do for different types of algorithms. Um, you know, all of that just kind of naturally falls into place um, by going that problem first, experience first uh, approach to innovation. Yeah, exactly. So what do you see moving forward? I mean, the tagline of the American Telemedicine Association two years ago was what's next? You know, with telemedicine, remote patient monitoring, kind of the structure you just laid out, okay, that sounds like your game plan and strategy to kind of the future state of this connected, new new connected ecosystem. Anything else you see kind of coming down the line um, that you think is going to really um have a big impact across the across the health industry. Well, that's why we partner with Verizon to kind of really, you know, see what's possible, you know, in in the future. Um, I think technology is such a dynamic space. So it's, you know, I feel like you're always, you know, outdating yourself every three years. Um, So it's hard to say, you know, what's coming around the pike. I mean, obviously, we're seeing that the, you know, even in AI, um, it's, it's finally reaching its maturity because a lot of these large language models are providing a much better front end experience to the AI, right? I mean, how long has GPT three and four been around with nobody really using it, you know, (laughs) until chat GPT came (laughs) as the front end wrapper to the model, right? And, and I think that's just like such a great story because, you know, we've been talking about AI for such a long time, you know, but it's been, uh, you know, it's heavy investments into the algorithm and the architectures, but, um, you know, the front experience is really what makes, what accelerates the, the adoption. And so when you ask about, you know, okay, what's next for telemedicine or virtual care, um, I think, again, it's less about what is the next technology. Uh, I actually think it's about what is it that patients have always wanted from their care? Uh, And and I actually think it's it's speed. So, you know, when you think about the whole journey, right, the, the holy grail is a patient gets the care when they need it right in that moment. I think it's it's just in time care, you know, Um, that's, that's where I think we're going to get closer and closer to real time kind of, or instant care for the patient. Um, and, and in order to make that possible, we need all of the above on the technology, like everything that we've had for the last, you know, three decades from phone calls to, uh, SMS, text messaging, chatbots, AI algorithms, RPM, like all of this is not, none of it is going to become, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, irrelevant. I think it's, it's all of them and more will be part of our growing digital toolkit, right? Digital and analog toolkit. And if we can bring that all together, uh, then we're going to be able to deliver care in much more instantaneous fashion, which is what I think 
patients need. And, and I think that's where, you know, we work closely with Ned and Verizon is because we also feel very responsible at UCLA's health to leave no patient behind. Yeah. You know, and, and as we progress faster and faster to this just-in-time care model, we need to make sure that we're addressing the plumbing of infrastructure, of the plumbing of connectivity, right? Um, because if you aren't connected, then you will not be able to access that increasingly more on-demand care that the system can offer. Um, and we also want to make sure everyone's included in, in, term, in, in the shape, in the form of data, so that the algorithms that are getting trained are equitable algorithms that are, uh, you know, observing data across a representative population. Right. Um, so there's many ways to kind of really think about what's next. But ultimately, if I bullet down, it's how do we give the right care at the right time, uh, you know, to to the patient and, and keep, get it as, as instantaneous as possible. Yeah. And leave no one behind. I love I love that point. And, and that kind of gets me to my next question for Ned. I know, you know, you're doing incredible work around digital inclusion, health equity. How does this connected new paradigm you know, how does that affect health equity underserved communities? Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, to some of the points that um, Kay raised, I mean, uh, with advancement of technology, uh, increased adoption of telemedicine and virtual care have the potential uh, to greatly impact how the care is uh, provided to underserved communities. Um, we have, uh, uh, while... Uh, both coasts of the U.S. Uh, are pretty well covered. There are a lot of areas within the U.S. that uh, don't have the uh, proper access uh, to healthcare. And uh, the term that uh, I've stolen from K, uh, digital care deserts that are out there, mm -hmm. and um, digitally insecure individuals. So we can improve access to care, especially in remote and underserved areas, by advancement of technologies and uh, be able to enhance the patient uh, experience and uh, the convenience and be able to uh, get them the proper care that they need, especially in uh, some of the areas that I'm working, uh, uh, that uh, patients, individuals uh, may have to travel two or three hours to get to a clinic. So uh, it makes it uh, uh, technology and that broadband connectivity uh, uh, plays a significant role in how we can uh, improve health outcomes for some of those communities that really need it. And uh, telemedicine and virtual care can enable personalized care in real time, uh, remote consultations, uh, efficient care, coordination of care between the providers. So uh, we're looking at uh, how we can work with UC Davis to address some of these uh, communities that really need uh, to uh, receive the uh, solutions that we can collectively bring to the table to address their needs. Thank you, Ned. And, and you're, you're doing incredible work in um, some very remote areas like Alaska. Um, so finally, Kay, I'm going to put this to you. Um, what advice do you have for folks, your peers, other health systems that are going on this journey, trying to create this connected ecosystem, this new paradigm? You know, what, what's your kind of words of advice? And I know it's probably a long list, but if you can encapsulate that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's all always about putting the people and the relationships first 
you know, and, and, and thinking about how we double down on connecting people more so than connecting technologies. And in that context, I think each health system has some common denominator factors, but the strategy should be unique to every health system, right? I think the strategy needs to be listening to your clinicians, your patients, and understanding what are the current people, process, technology, and data, right, that need to be reworked or reimagined to, again, reduce health disparities if that's part of your strategy. Uh, give care to patients who are, you know, very remote if that's part of your strategy. So I, I think, again, like kind of really bringing it back to connected care is not a thing. It's, it's a strategy, right? And you need to have a very clear strategy around what you're trying to achieve with that connected care. Um, and there's many different ways that you can benefit from having a very clear connected care strategy. Um, but I do think that having uh, a, a connected care approach with no clear goal or success metrics, you know, can get you lost because there's so many options. Yeah. In terms of the technologies that you can onboard, you know, um, so, so I, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, while there's some best practices that, um, you know, you can learn from, again, the clinical leaders at UC Davis Health that are reimagining workflows from scratch for our patients, like there's a lot that you can learn from a blueprint, but I think it's also important for health system leaders to be bold in crafting their own strategy, right? And um, including the patients across the diverse patient population that you might you serve and, and incorporating their feedback into what the care should look like or what it could be for them, right? And then being able to um, figure out what the digital strategy to support that is. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Dr. Nakagawa from UC Davis Health, Ned from Verizon Health Innovation. Thank you both for being here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been so great working with Verizon. And uh, thank you very much for having us, Robin and Ned. Uh, we, continue, we look forward to continuing the work with you all.